Hello, my name is Andrew F. and I'm an alcoholic. Um, so my story, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, um, Irish Catholic family, a long line of alcoholics, um, kind of indoctrinated me into what having a good time was early on. And I, I started aspiring to want to be older and well-respected and that included drinking. Um, I started uh, sneaking beers like sixth, seventh grade. Um, I remember my grandpa when I was probably about five or six, I remember my grandmother calling my dad saying that he had passed out at their house and my dad had to go and uh, pick him up off the stairs and put him in his bed. And so that was kind of my first like story of hearing about alcoholism in our family. Um, my dad drank himself to death at 54. Um, my brother went into rehab right after that and went on and off getting sober. And um, you'll never forget at my dad's funeral, one of his friends came up to me and said, Andrew, the best thing you could do is to not drink. And I was like, who's this guy telling me this? You know, I was a senior in college. I was at USC and I was like, I mean, how am I ever going to have fun if I stop drinking? Like, I can't do that. And uh so I went on and started to uh, abuse alcohol. Um, I moved from drinking a ton of beer to drinking straight vodka, uh, drive drunk all the time, uh, get in embarrassing situations. And then, um, you know, the drunker I got, the more uh, apt I was to try, you know, other stuff, cocaine and pills and all of that. And um, as I started, uh, you know, getting older, I, I was, of the mindset of, you know, once I get married, I'll be happy. Once I have kids, I'll be happy. Once I get this job, I'll be happy. Well, I got all those things and I was still miserable. So then I started kind of wondering like, what is my purpose here? And, uh, you know, I basically would more of a binge type drinker than like Friday and Saturday night, I, you know, have anywhere from 10 to 15 vodkas and, you know, go to sleep. And uh, that was about it. Well, then I uh, hurt my neck and got prescribed Percocet and jumped like that was the greatest thing I'd ever felt. And so with some Percocet and some vodka, I, uh, you know, was off to the races on that. And um, that also because I was getting too drowsy and, you know, for a job during those times, I was an agent at a talent agency. I uh, started getting too drowsy because of the pills. So I started throwing in healthy amounts of cocaine. Um, but vodka was really my, uh, you know, vodka could always even me out. Like if I was too drowsy or too messed up on something else, vodka would calm me down. So then about two months into that, people started noticing that I was acting kind of weird. Um, you can get away with it for a while. I was coaching my son's little league team. I had a dad ask me if I was okay because I seemed a little out of it. Um, you know, my wife started to ask questions. Uh, at work, they asked me if I was on any medication because I seemed kind of out of it. And I was starting to miss work a lot. And uh, I started making up all the different excuses. I told them that I was depressed. Uh, I told them that I was taking um, Zoloft. And really, I was just taking everything I could get my hands on. And um, it got darker and darker. And I went from a time to where I was like partying just at night and things like that to 24 seven. Um, now the, the tricky part is now my work knows about it. They start asking me if I want to go to rehab and, 
I couldn't admit it. I couldn't tell anyone that I had a problem. Um, I flipped my car. Uh, I, uh, you know, all the horrible stuff that goes along with all that. So finally, one day, my work came to me and said, hey, you can go to rehab or you can go home, but you can't stay here. And I was like, wait a minute, I'll go to rehab. What do you mean? Like, then it was like, everything kind of clicked for me. And um, I, uh, my wife started calling rehabs, got a hold of uh, Betty Ford. They were the only ones that would take me that day. Cause in my head, I had that, you know, crazy addict talk of like, I gotta go right now. I can't think about it. So I, uh, I got a 12 pack of beer and a bunch of Vicodin and I had my cousin drive me down to Betty Ford. And I went down there and when I checked in, I said, I wanna get off the pills but I'm still gonna drink and I don't wanna hear anything about AA or any kind of fellowship because I got enough friends. So I did my 28 days there and I got out and I had a friend who I had uh, worked with in the past called me up and I knew he was in AA and he said, hey, do you think you're an addict? And I said, yeah, well, of course I'm an addict. Like, you know, why else would I be here? You know, it was just kind of more of a question to get somebody off me. And he said, hey, I want you to go meet a friend of mine there's an AA meeting in the West Side Pavilion on Tuesdays. And so I went to that meeting and I was terrified because for me, I never felt a part of. I always felt uh, that people were looking at me and didn't really want me there. So for me to even walk up and ask for a guy in an AA meeting was terrifying. So I walked up to him and uh, he said, here, sit down. He introduced me around and um, I had so much shame. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want anyone to know. I was telling everyone that would listen how horrible my life had gotten and that uh, you don't understand. It's so bad. And everyone kept telling me, just keep coming back. It'll be okay. So then that day I go to the meeting and the meeting's over and we're talking. He said, hey, what's your next meeting going to be? And I said, well, I got nowhere else to go. I lost my job. He said, well, we're going to come back to this other meeting. Why don't you meet us there tomorrow? So that's what started it for me. And then... Um, the next day, he said, do you have a sponsor? And I said, no. And I said, would you be my sponsor? Because I was terrified that, uh, you know, no one would want to be my sponsor. That gives you kind of where my head was at. And uh, we started working the steps. And from that moment on, he started introducing me to people around. Um, we always planned where our next meeting was going to be. Uh, I started getting phone numbers. I was one of those guys who was totally annoyed when people were asking for my phone number or giving me theirs. I was like, I don't want you calling call me. Uh, I don't want to call you. But then as I started hanging around these guys, I started seeing that I had so much in common with everybody. And there was somebody at every stage of life that had gone through what I had gone through. Um, so I've started feeling a part of, but I had so much shame and I, I just wasn't aware of how much shame. I didn't want to go anywhere near where I would run into people that I used to work with or hang out with. Um, I avoided everybody. I, you know, when I walked into Betty Ford, I threw my phone away with all my phone numbers and said I was just going to start clean over. So most of the people had no idea what happened to me. Um, I uh, started working the steps. I got, you know, I had my sponsor. Um, and I'd say for about the first, you know, going up to the first year when it was nice, new, and exciting, I really enjoyed it. Uh, year two was tough. I wasn't the, shiny special thing anymore and i used to hate because everyone would tell me like oh your head you don't get your head till five years and you don't know shit and all that kind of stuff and for me um i hated people telling me like not to say anything or you don't know this or you don't know that because 
I, I thought at the time I knew everything. Um, so then they started giving me great advice and telling me, uh, you know, cause I used to sit back and listen to people's stories and I'd be like, oh, he's not a real alcoholic or he, he's kind of full of shit. And, um, you know, he, a guy at the meeting said, hey, why don't you stop looking at what the difference is and start focusing on what's similar? How can you relate to this? And um, that kind of hit me. And I realized that uh, I could be a real judgmental guy and that really hadn't gotten me anywhere so i started looking for the similarities and um you know i started seeing oh wow that's my story and i it could, it could be a 85 year old grandmother to a 25 year old you know girl it didn't matter we all had these same stories of how it started um dealing with a lot of family stuff a lot of family trauma which was always really difficult um but, you know, I kept plugging away. Uh, if, if things go right uh, in April, I'll have six years. Um, you know, I, it hasn't been easy, but I got to tell you, like, it, it's better than anything else. And I, um, I've learned to what I realized is what I was really seeking and searching for all that time. And, you know, trying to find it in vodka and Percocet was a connection. I never really connected to other people. I, uh, I was, you know, because of my relationship with my dad, I was scared of my own shadow and I was scared of other men. Um, and, uh, I was afraid of being judged. So AA taught me how to connect with people and how to be there for other people. And, um, you know, it's an, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift. I'm glad I came in. If you work the steps, you know, when they talk about all the gifts and all the great things that you have it really does come true. Um, you know, I stick around because everyone tells me, oh, at five years you get this and at 10 years this happens, you know? So I'm like in it, I wanna keep seeing. I feel like eventually I'll be able to float or, uh, you know, talk to dead people or something. But uh, I uh, love AA and I'm gonna keep coming back. So thanks for letting me share here today.